Now, welcome to the CatTunes podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Crowley. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And uh, welcome you listening to the Catunes Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Corelli. This is episode 33, and today we're going to be talking about a track called Backstab from the same Overcome album, or should I say Overcome Super album, just because of its sheer size. It's an enormous, an enormous album. I keep repeating this, but so it is. 28 tracks, 28 songs, and um, almost 4 hours of runtime. That's a lot. So Backstab is still in the first quarter of the album, and I gotta tell you that this is quite the nihilistic song. Well, I would explain that by saying that the lyrics for this track, for Backstab, all of the lyrics, and the... Ah, what's the word? I don't want to use the word filler, because I never use filler. But, for the sake of clarifying this, let's say the emotions that were channeled, that were channeled into this song are all coming from 2010. Originally, the music itself, for the most part, except for, you know, a few little elements, was written back in 2006. As I continue talking about this Overcome album, you might, you know, realize that most of it was written most of it draws on two very dark chapters in my life. One of them is 2006, that time, and the other is 2010, when I've been living through another very dark chapter, and I wasn't very happy. Hell, I wasn't a very happy girl back then. Quite the opposite. And I was in much pain. So, the lyrics for Backstab were written in 2010, whereas the music was... 99%. I think 99.9% of all the music for Backstab was written back in 2006-2007. And it was just sitting there, and I didn't know. I just had the title, Backstab. And I didn't know what what kind of Backstab is that gonna be. Is it gonna be the kind of Backstab that came that I felt from my father? Or is it gonna be the kind of Backstab that I felt that came from society? Or was it from something else? Or, you know from my already ex-boyfriend in 2010, you know, uh, I didn't know. And so, eventually, just like in many cases, I probably just allowed my thoughts and my emotions, which were there, present in the moment, I've I've allowed them to just free flow into, you know, to, to keep it honest. 
honest and to the point. So everything, a lot of things, perhaps not everything, but a lot of things that were happening to me in 2010, they've poured into this vessel, which was pre-made back in 2006. The music itself, you know, uh, make no mistake, the music itself is pretty dark. Uh, and um, the things, I mean, the music demanded of the lyrics a certain level of darkness. And then it just happened so that 2010 was yet another screwy time and the lyrics just came themselves, you could say, you know, because I was just under the right set of circumstances to write something nihilistic because I basically lost, I lost a good portion of myself. Uh, I felt like I'm not living my life at all. And I've talked about this, you know, a couple of episodes ago and perhaps in the very beginning of this uh, season, of this third season, as I'm talking about the Overcome album, there is a lot of darkness that went into this album, a lot of it. And while I was working on these songs, I was processing a lot of those emotions. So, Backstab, specifically, has a timestamp on it. The music was written in 2006, the lyrics were written in 2010, and the original vocals were recorded also in 2010, right when I was in the midst of, you know, my headaches, my toothaches, all of those things, right amidst, you know, me having my health deteriorating, basically. So let's read through the lyrics and um, try to dissect this, you know, to my best ability, because it's just... Backstab is one of those songs, it's not really specific. It's all over the place. There is a lot of things that's going on there, a lot of themes, a lot of allusions to various entities, including, you know, society, father, lover, you know, my ex, and then the girl who at the time, in 2010, was trying to mold me into something that I was not. So I was pissed. I was pissed on a broad variety of levels. I felt hurt, and I was angry. I was very angry. And uh, I was in a very dark place, mentally and physically. So let's read through the lyrics. Now, Backstab has three parts to it, so it's not like a one monolith kind of song. Kind of song, no. It's, it breaks down into three parts. And so the first part, and you wouldn't hear this if you're, if you're just listening to the album, right? But if you go and read to the lyrics, on uh, Genius.com, where you can find all of my lyrics. You'll find out that the first part is called Solitude. It literally says, one, solitude. That's the first part. Uh, so let's read. The first uh, verse starts with this. Where the wind comes from, I can hardly taste it. Where the wind goes, Somewhere afar, somewhere ahead. It throws all my thoughts backwards. Then twists my mind and makes me return forward. So, what this verse is about... First of all, there is... It alludes to a poem by Alan Milne. Alan Milne, the same, the same guy who wrote Winnie the Pooh. He was my favorite poet. And uh, I grew up... Uh, listening to his poetry and reading his poetry. So he had a poem. I don't remember the title of it, but I do remember the lines from there. It said, 
No one can tell me, nobody knows, where the wind comes from and where the wind goes. This is a literal quote from Alan Milne. So what I'm referring to right here, I'm sort of alluding to that piece of poetry. And um, this verse is basically about me feeling lost, fairly lost, and being under the winds, you know, under the weather, and being blown around, you know, in my life by powers that exceed my powers, and pretty much being wrecked. Then there is sort of a hook that goes, I have learned the human nature, every day I feel the danger. I can't move in your direction, can't be part of your dimension. This sort of refers not only to a specific person, it refers to a lot of things at once, and uh, it also refers to uh, the society as a whole. I didn't feel like I could move and integrate into uh, the society, the Russian society. I, didn't, I, I never felt like I was part of it to begin with. I always felt like I'm sort of an outcast, that I'm different, that I'm strange. And no matter how hard I tried, I could not fit in. I just wasn't that way, I couldn't think like that. Then um, there is... Then it continues, it goes, You can't reach where I go. My own world you don't know. I'm so drained and so empty. You stabbed me and left me. Now, this refers to my then ex-boyfriend. I felt, quite literally, that he never could go and he never could reach where I was going. He never cared. Because I was looking for love, but it appeared to me at that point that he never sought love to begin with. And so, no wonder that our relationship did not succeed, because we're looking for different things. And then I'm saying, I'm so drained and so empty, you stabbed me and left me. And then there's another verse, it goes, Where do I come from? I can scarcely know it. Where am I going? Somewhere afar, somewhere, somewhere ahead. I'll never understand why you always do your best to leave me behind. 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 So this is, this refers to the girl that I was living with at the time, who was trying to mold me into something else, who was trying to make a man out of me, who was, you know, whatever, whatever, all of those things. She was always trying to, you know, because she was an arrogant person, she, and a narcissistic person, she was always trying to show me how, how much more superior she is, that she always knows the best, and she most importantly knows everything that's best for me even though I've never asked for it. But then again, there is that refrain or hook or whatever you call it. I have learned your human nature. You're my risk and I'm your danger. Rules and habits give you safety. Fear the coming of the deity. Now that's quite a cryptic four-liner. So again, I have learned your human nature, meaning I have investigated you for what you are. You're my risk, and I'm your danger. So, this line, I'm you, you're my risk, meaning that I'm getting myself into risky situations. Basically, putting my life on the line here. 
and I'm a danger to you. You actually fear me, and you fear that I just decide to be myself and do whatever the heck I want. So I am taking on the risk of contending with you the way you are. And at the same time, you understand me as a dangerous threat to you, to your well-being. Rules and habits give you safety. Well, that's the thing. Because I wasn't okay with the habits and the, and the rules, generally speaking, established in uh, the Russian society. You know, the society as I knew it back in 2010. I wasn't okay with that. I wasn't okay with people clinging to those habits, outdated habits, outdated rules, which they were dragging over from the old Soviet times. I didn't like it. I couldn't fit into that. I never aspired to fit into that, and I didn't see it as anything benevolent. So that's what this line refers to. Fear the coming of the deity. This line refers to... Basically, it's me saying, hey... Fear me when I come in my full purity, when I show my true face, wild, untamed, like the deity. Then it goes on, it says, You can't run where I fly. Things you don't know, you deny. You need me, but don't love me. So you stab me, but don't kill me. This refers to two things at once. It refers both to my ex-boyfriend, whom I had to leave behind because I felt like he's leaving me behind all the time, that he's ignoring me, ignoring my feelings, and doesn't appreciate me. You remember, I was talking about this. It was a big theme in a couple of, you know, other previous seasons um, of this podcast. I was talking about that exact boyfriend who had a problem with alcohol and I felt horrible because he was picking alcohol over me. Uh, and then it also, these two lines, you need me but don't love me, so you stab me but don't kill me. This also refers to the girl who's trying to make whatever she wanted to make out of me. I didn't feel that she really loves me. I felt that she loves herself. And that all of this is basically a lie. She's just trying to make... Some, make me into someone for herself. Um, and she doesn't really care. Like, if she has to kill me in the process, like, she has to butcher me, she doesn't care if she, make, if she hurts me, if she causes me pain and suffering. No, she didn't care. She cared about herself. So, these two lines refer to two people at once. So, now we're in the second... Uh, part of the song, which is called Weirdos. And here's how it goes. The music changes, apparently, around here. So, hide deep in your shells. Shut your eyes. Shut your... Shut your ears. Excuse me. Hide deep in your shells. Shut your ears. Shut your eyes. Learn to write before you spell your lies. This is sort of my remark, you know, a little troll remark uh, towards those people who think that they're smart asses, who think that they're they know better than everybody else, but they can't even lie to you properly because they didn't learn to spell and to write properly. So they don't know enough, but still they're trying to bamboozle you and gaslight you. That's, that's what it refers to. Let your horrid lusts wall me off with apathy. 
I'm Lilith and I'm Callie. Accuse me of enemy. So there's a lot of things in these four lines, as you can hear. And it refers to a lot of things. You know, I felt that the divine within me is not allowed to flourish. Like I'm locked up in that situation with that girl. And uh, apparently my wilder side, my Lilith side, was furious. It was very difficult for me to contain that. So I was obviously very angry. Uh, and I was, I was hiding behind apathy. I was hiding behind apathy. And uh, I'm guessing to people outside of the situation, you know, I looked like I'm an antisocial person or that I'm, you know, rebelling against this and that and whatever. What it really was is that I was under tremendous pressure and I just couldn't be myself. I wanted to be myself. I wanted, but I could not under that set of circumstances. So I was horribly frustrated and I was angry for a lot of reasons. Okay, so then there is, uh, there is this. Spread some more of your deceit. Pour your venom t to my feet. This refers both to the society and it also refers to that girl. Ah, uh, then it goes on. Serve your flesh and praise your idols. Cheat your gods and rock your cradles. Trust your lust, confide, confide the worthless. They are always at your service. This refers to a lot of things and a lot of levels. I was angry at people. I was angry at the society. I was angry at myself because I got, got myself into all of this. I wanted out. I didn't see a way out. I didn't know how the heck am I supposed to live in this world like that. And I was sick and tired of people who, not only that girl, but others too, who seemed to have cooperated with her. You know, in their idiotic uh, praise of idols, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of going to church when you're not really holding those values, but just for the optics, the self-serving attitudes, the duplicity, and that's what cheat your gods and rock your cradles, that what it refers to. She wanted a kid with me. I didn't want a kid with her because I'm a girl. I can't have a, uh, I wouldn't, I would have never had a kid with a girl. A kid with a man, sure, but with a girl, no. But she wanted to force me into that. So, confined the worthless. Well, that refers to all the idols that she was praising, that she, you know, had as idols, be that, you know, celebrities or politicians or whatever. She was confiding them. I didn't. I never did. Then the lyrics go on. It says, Every one of you... All the race, but a few, is dead long before your bodies fester. Gone before you come, buried before you're born. You are the desperate addict in agony. So you see how nihilistic I was at the time, because every line in this eight-liner reeks of nihilism. I was angry. I didn't see the light. 
I didn't see the light in anybody at all, and I didn't have any people around me who would have been of any support, because I, because she isolated me from everybody. She turned away people away from me. So it it, it wasn't a very good feeling. Uh, it was I was devastated. So my attitude towards everybody was through the prism of that situation that I was living. And that's, you know, I've, I tended to see at the time, when I was looking at the broader society, all I've seen was just a monstrous construct, a horrible system. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that it's a very good system, you know, as far as Russian society. No, it isn't. But imagine when you have, when you personally struggle through a lot of things at once, everything looks a lot darker. That's, that was the case for me. Let's continue with the lyrics. Then it goes, open wide your gates for me, hang me, nail me to your tree. Now, hang me, nail me to your tree, that refers to Jesus Christ. And that refers specifically to the rock opera. Jesus Christ Superstar. That's what I grew up with when I was a little kid. My father, uh, he used to sing portions of that rock opera and he would strum the guitar and he would sing some of it and I was singing with him. So I knew a lot of those lines by heart. And that's what it refers to. Open wide your gates for me. Hang me, nail me to your tree. It's almost like I've seen myself at the time, back in 2010, like I'm undergoing some tremendous torment, which I did. The kind of torment that only a saint would be able to contend with. That's how I felt. It took me a lot to just make it through, through that year and a half of that insanity. So I felt, well, you might as well just hang me, nail me to your tree, whatever. You know, and sacrifice me for your false gods and idols and uh, ridiculous quote-unquote values. Uh, Because that's exactly what you're doing to me. That's how I felt. Then it goes on. Serve your flesh and praise your idols. Cheat your gods and rock your cradles. Trust your lust. Confide the worthless. They are always at your service. And that's the end of the second part. Then there is a third part that's called Succubus. You see, we continue in this vein of nihilism. So, you look upward when an angel cries. You call it rain, they call it pain. You raise your heads when a hero dies, but when he's gone, you'll find another clown. So this refers to the broader society. This is about that exactly, about how laughable it is and how ridiculous it is that people do not see and do not appreciate the very rain that falls down on them. And when they're in need, when all of a sudden something tragic happens to them, ironically, they turn their heads to God. But when everything is fine, they don't remember about God. They don't remember about the angels. They don't call upon the angels to save them. Or they don't thank anybody when everything's okay. But everything, when everything goes downhill, that's when they remember. And I was guilty of the same thing. So, they here includes myself. Then it goes, you raise your heads when a hero dies, but when he's gone, you'll find another clown. 
Now, this doesn't refer to myself, but that's something that I've observed in many people. That they praise someone and they consider someone to be a hero, but then when that hero falls, falls from grace, they start mocking that person. And that happened to me too. Because first, uh, I was the subject of flattery with this girl. And then all of a sudden, you know, when she realized that I'm not willing to play her games, that I'm willing to be myself, uh, she started to throw temper tantrums. And all of a sudden, I was falling from grace. I'm your first aid, and I'm the last drop. I'm your thin line, and I'm your lost hope. I came to push you up, you're knocking me down. But you can't finish the day before the sun's down. There is a lot of things here, but you see the gist of it, right? I'm your first aid, and I'm the last drop. So I can heal you, but I can also upset you, it seems, just in a heartbeat. I'm your thin line, and I'm your lost hope. Right, because you see all of these things in me, which are not there, and you're, you're making it look like I'm your only last and lost hope for anything. Right, because you're trying to turn me into your illusion of what of what kind of person you wanted to be with. You see how that works? I came to push you up because first I was a friend. I was just a friend. I was really trying to help her. I was trying to push her up. I was trying to, you know, be friendly. You're knocking me down, but that's what happened to me. But hey, look at you. You don't appreciate anything that I've done. Uh, you don't appreciate my friendship and instead you're abusing me. Uh, you're forcing me to be in a sexual relationship with you, which I don't like, I don't want, never needed. I'm disgusted actually with it, but yet you're forcing me into it and you're trying to knock me down. But you can't finish the day before the sun's down. And this refers to, well, but no matter how hard you try and what kind of tactics you try, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot change the fundamental rules of how things work. Then the lyrics continue. You can't reach where I go. My own world you don't know. So drained and so empty. You stabbed me and left me. This is again a glance back at my ex-boyfriend because at that point in 2010, gosh, I felt a lot of things. I looked back at him. I looked back at him at the time when I was his girlfriend and I felt betrayed because I felt, hey, you were telling me all this beautiful world, all these beautiful words. You were so keen on sleeping with me all the time. You've enjoyed that thoroughly, and I knew that. I knew how much you enjoyed that. And yet, when I needed you, you weren't there. And then here I am, in 2010, I wound up with hell knows whom, not even seeing that as a relationship, being forced to be in that situation. Because I had no other choice. And, um, well... It turns out that you, my love, my already dead love, never been the man that, you know, I wanted you to be. So you see, it's sort of like, it comes full circle. 
And then the lyrics continue. You can't run where I fly. Things you don't know, you deny. You need me, but don't love me. So you stab me, but don't kill me. You need me, but don't love me. So you stab me, but don't kill me. Spread some more of your deceit. Pour your venom to my feet. Open wide your gates for me. Hang me, nail me to your tree. Serve your flesh. Praise your idols. Cheat your gods. Rock your cradles. Trust your lust. Confide the worthless. They are here at your service. So you see, Backstab has... It's about betrayal, essentially. It's about betrayal and feeling used. It's about these things. And most importantly, perhaps, it's about the underlying sense of nihilism that I've had back in 2010. I didn't want to be there. I never planned it that way. I never aspired to live a life like that. I didn't enjoy any single bit of it at all. But those were the circumstances. And perhaps, you know, nowadays I'm thinking in retrospect, perhaps it was a necessary chapter that I had to get through in order to become who I am today. Perhaps I needed that. Well, not that I needed, but I had to. That's, that's a more correct word. I had to get through that stage, through that level of nihilism where I literally didn't, didn't want to live. And I hated a lot of things. I hated myself. I hated my body because I was thrown back into my pre-transition state of things. I hated a lot of things. And most importantly, I didn't want to. I hated that I was forced to pretend to be someone else. It was really infuriating me. And I could not be me, a woman. It's a horrible feeling, you know, it's a horrible feeling. Needless to say, I'm more than happy that I'm out of that a long time ago. Ten years ago, I've been out of there. And I've just continued with my life. So, I'm hoping that I've explained more or less the meaning or the, you know, the backstories or whatever, the context of Backstab from the Overcome album. And now that I've explained that, let's move on to the music part, shall we? So here we go with the music analysis of Backstab, and uh, first things first, we're in the key of B minor. And uh, the song starts with a little weird intro, there's a synth that plays something along these lines. That's a low B, and an octave step. Then there's a little tune that shows up, and it goes...
what's happening here in the in the bass line is that where there is a B, then there is a D, C, natural C, back to B. Here in the the melodic line starts with an A. Remember, we're in B minor, so we have all sorts of weird going on here. It's an A, G, A, A sharp. A natural, G, G, F sharp, then the melody drops down to a D, D, C, natural, D, D sharp, D natural, C natural, C natural, B. You see how it works? basically just escalates, you know, using whatever it has as a basis, what we've already heard. that starts deep down in the synthesizers and then it escalates and escalates and escalates. So again, we're using the same, it, it sort of switches between Phrygian and um, an added low second. So there is a B, you see how it works, there is sort of Middle Eastern feel to it, very angry too. So it's a B, E flat, D, B, B. D, C, natural, here's your Phrygian, minor, B, again. Then we're going into an E, F, F, D, E, F, F sharp, and then down to the harmonic high seventh, which is an A sharp, and then back to B. Let's listen, actually.
here the bass kicks in, you see it's the same riff with rhythmic variation, sort of crystallizes, amalgamates itself. And then we're on to another short sort of intro, uh, which is um, which precedes the first verse. So let's listen. What's going on there? this melody so what's going on there this is going to become the melody of the hook later on but right now we don't know it it's an instrumental part it's like a little a little bit of an intro into the verse modular in nature just by design there are three chords three chords only now, on the first chord which is B minor because of the melody because of how the melody flows you feel that we are there in that key in B minor and it's reinforced but then something happens we're going to E flat major So here you have an E flat, D, B flat now, because it's almost like we're in a different key, right? And it's an E flat major plus seven, not just a clean E flat major. Again, E flat, D, A. 
what does this sound like? This sounds... sounds like we're really in the key of G minor, right? This would be, this would sound reasonable to go there after that, right? But now, instead of that, we're going into B minor. That's where the verse starts. some weird stuff going on. Let's try to analyze this. So, what do we have here? This stuff happens in the bass. Let me try to replicate this. So it's a low B. an octave higher. That's what's going on there, basically. That is the riff in the bass, and it, the bass literally plays fifths, like I've just played here. That's why it sounds so dissonant. And then uh, we're moving into the other part, that other strange riff. 
sounds a lot like corn, actually. And this is a weird part. So this weird part is ba basically Whatever is going on there in the riff is an elaboration. There's a riff going on, okay, so I'm, I'm not going to replicate it, but you get the gist of it. That the chord progression underneath the riff is essentially the same. Let's listen further. Here we go with the hook, you've heard this melody before. Only this time there is a G major. E flat major plus seven. G major. B minor. So you see the only difference here, now that this theme had become a hook, now it is enriched with just one chord. Here's what's going on. What are the lyrics? What are the lyrics? Here we go. what's going on there. So, the only difference is this G major after the B minor. Let's move on and see what's going on next. 
Guitars are doing all sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff. And we're going back into the verse. analyze the melody in the verse, which we still didn't do. Here's what's happening there. You see, it doesn't start, the melody doesn't start with a clean tone, it starts with a phrygian right away. Very dark. So here's what's happening. happens on this walking riff. Very dark riff, right? Then the melody escalates. stuff that's walking around the B, whereas the melody indicates that it's sort of doing the C major stuff. Plus this one, major minor, minor major. So it's a D, E flat, D, C, G is an unstable note, right, and then it goes into an F sharp, which is the fifth in B minor. to an A sharp. Uh, then we're probably going back to the hook. Let's listen. This is the end of the second verse. 
Second hook, again G major, E flag major plus seven. B minor. E flag major. like that for a while. There's some developments going on there through riff-like phrases, etc, etc. And we're moving into the second half. We're in D minor now. Oh no, we're in E flat minor. E-flat minor. It's the repetition of the same, same piece we've heard lower. Some more developments. Back to B minor, G, E flat major plus seven, D. D minor, G, third part. Let's dissect this riff. Basically the same riff that just goes on and on and on. So let's stop and... Uh, dun, dun.
Okay, so here's the riff. And we're in E flat minor all of a sudden of all keys. So do you see this is a weird scale? Slipknot, as you could say. So, long story short, it utilizes again the same uh, weird combo of a Phrygian minor occasionally when needed. Outlier, a high sixth. This is a C, a clean C in E flat minor. You see this lower part of the scale again is the same, so it's here's minor, right? It's again this lowered fourth. Then six. Low fourth, high seventh, which, by the way, creates an inversion of G major. Just saying. Let's listen. essentially the next verse again. developments. Now we're going into high gear. Solo. G major. E flat major plus seven. B major. C major. B minor. G major plus 7, E flat major plus 7, D, C, and we're going to this new riff, 252. 
It's bar 252. That's a large chunk of everything. Let's listen. Back to that old theme. Same chord progression again, same three chords again, B minor, heavy metal style, G major, E flat major, D. Now the same root that we've already encountered happens in B minor. And there's a conclusive tattered and torn root. the music analysis of this piece and let's move on to the next section shall we so as you can see Backstab is quite the beast. Musically, lyrically, it's very nihilistic. It's very angry. It's a very angry piece, really. But then again, that's the reason why it happens in the first quarter of the album, not further on. Because yeah, it's not just about anger, but you know, mostly about nihilism. It's a nihilistic piece. It happens early on, and you will see other songs on Overcome album that are rather depressing, that are rather 
very down, extremely down, for and for good reasons. However, overcome is about overcoming things, so you will also see how out of this darkness something new is being born. You will see how out of this darkness, out of this pain, a new promise for a future is being born. Sometimes, in order to really comprehend a few things, in order to, to be motivated to seek the light, you probably first have to experience darkness. And uh, in that regard, I'm thinking that I've been pretty lucky to have been thrown into that darkness. I had to get through it. You know, one could argue that I could have not gotten through it. That could have happened. Fortunately, I did. But it is one of those examples when a life challenges you. Things happen, things that you didn't plan for, things that you weren't looking for. And then you are forced to fight for your life. You are forced to stand your ground. You are forced to find a way out and try something absolutely new. Go in a direction in which you've never walked before. And that was my situation at the time. And I'm very happy looking back. I'm very happy that I found my way out. It wasn't easy, but I found my way out, and uh, I was more than happy to reacquire my liberty and my freedom. And most importantly, the freedom of being myself, being the real me, being honest and being open to the world once again. And once that happened, everything changed. But while we're on this stage in the Overcome album, it still did not happen. It is still light years away. So this is just the first quarter of this journey, roughly speaking, first quarter. Uh, backstab. Uh, after Backstab, the next track is gonna be Perversions Remain. That's another interesting piece. But at least it's not as nihilistic, I would say. And uh, this is where I'm gonna be wrapping up this episode. Once again, it turned out to be a pretty lengthy one. Even though Backstab, as you heard, you know, musically, it's not as really complicated. Yeah, there is a lot of this embellishment and dark riffs that are going on there. Essentially, the chord progressions are the same all the time. Nothing really changes that much. Yes, there is embellishment through rhythm. There is variety through little twists and turns and embellishments, you know, melodic embellishments and rhythmical embellishments of the same riffs. But it's the same chord progressions. And yes, there is a key change to that weird, bizarre key of E-flat minor. And then back to B minor. But, well, it is what it is. So, I'm hoping you've enjoyed this episode. If you want, if you have never heard my music before, and um, you're curious, I, of course, would encourage you to go and find me. Uh, look for Catherine Corelli. Catherine with a C and Corelli with a C too. Um, look for Catherine Corelli on any major streaming platform, be that Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, even YouTube. And uh, if you go to YouTube, also, don't hesitate to check out my Cat Talk series. That is sort of a podcast where I mostly talk not about music, but about other things. And I also have a series there that is called Cat Vibes. 
It is essentially a playlist and it's just, you know, behind the scenes of whatever I'm doing, sometimes working in the backyard, sometimes playing drums, sometimes actually recording music. So that might be of interest to you if you want to know more about me. Now, if you also want to check out my website, go to catcarelli.us. Uh, I have some other products there too at the moment, but if you're interested in my other other products, uh, check out southerncaracol.com. This is my other business. This is a brand that I'm building myself, and uh, maybe you might find something for yourself. So, two websites. One is catcarelli.us, which is predominantly dedicated to my music and art, and the other one is southerncaracol.com. The links are all going to be in the description to this episode. All right? So this is where I'm going to wrap all of this up. Thank you very much for spending your time with me. I do appreciate this tremendously. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and you will hear me on the next episode. Grrr.